do have a quip. We'll both have a quip. It's just cadals. Oh my god, you sound like a, bur- a baby getting burped. That was incredible. Welcome to Witty Banter, episode 101. Help me, Max, where have you gone? It's already off the rails. Welcome to Witty Banter, episode 179. I'm your tongue t- your tongue-tied host, Chase Williams. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sitting here with Hunter. Clean a beer with a beach towel door set. How you doing, Hunter? In true uh, end of the year fashion, what kind of what kind of a year would it be if I didn't drop at least one beer as part of our podcast ritual? Dude, the, and the thing is, is Hunter, or I mean, God, dude, I literally, literally cannot talk right now. <laughs> That's because my mind is dead, Hunter. I am like exhausted mentally. It's seriously gone. You're like, reading been, too much about mirror neurons, Chase. I'm telling you. I'm reading too much about crazy shit right now. And... There's also the whole move stuff going on, which it's just like sending emails. But every time you have you finally send one of those emails, it's like you feel the fatigue from getting those words together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. There's a weightiness behind it. Uh, well, good. I'm glad you're here, man. Um, we got an interesting show lined up. We're not going to be able to like return to our shattered bracket because Max isn't here. And it's something that like needs to happen. Yeah. Because... It's. I'm still feeling from last week the travesty that was losing that episode. Yeah, apologies, uh, Dooney, uh, but we lost that one. We only got the first half nestled at the end of the show last week. But uh, I'm thinking that if we give it enough time, let it sizzle a little bit, then let we can it come sizzle. Let's simmer. Let, we can, we can. Yeah, we can come back and maybe even have fresh takes. Maybe we even put in a new bracket because there's a couple of those that I'm like. Or not a new bracket, but maybe a new matchup or two. Yeah, see mix how them it really up. plays out. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about. And I got a few messages that people enjoyed the front half, so we can't restart it. But I know that we the next bracket we do, we want to do like double elimination style. So there's yeah. a losers bracket because we think that's <laughs> hysterical. So like a dark horse can make it through. Yes, that's what I want to see. Oh, Hunter, I tell you what, man, it feels like. The very first time I hosted a podcast tonight. And I think that we review alcoholic beverages on this show. You still have, I think, what you scraped off the floor in a glass of beer <laughs> over there. And I'm drinking some whiskey as well. So tell me what you're drinking, dude. Yeah, it's going to taste like uh, linoleum. But no, we got um, the Delirium Nocturnum. This is it's famous. Feel, yeah, a famous fucking beer. Right? It's made out I mean, of stone. It's got the pink elephant on the front of it, right? Yeah. And it's like a super... Follow the pink elephant, my friend. It's a super um, just unique, non-normal beer bottle because it's just flat white with like specks of black. So it looks kind of like concrete or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so you Hefty. got the the Delirium Nocturnum. It says Family Brewery... I don't even want to say it. H-U-Y-G-H-E. Huey? I don't know. Uh, since 1654 is what it says. Whoa. Yeah, I know. That's that's fucking serious. Um, family brewery, brewed and bottled by the... Older than, our, than the United States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, take that, freaking US of A. 8.5% alcohol by volume. Um, so I have really only maybe three sips of this bad boy. And so I'll minor in that review. And okay. then I'll major okay. 
in a Firestone Mocha Merlin. Oh my god, are you double beering right now? You got a double major going on? I got a major and a minor, man. Wow. Everybody knows that college is not what it used to be, and now you got to have They're a major They're just handing out degrees for free these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Back in my day, we didn't have computers. We earned it by paying a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, I don't even fucking hear that. Uh, <laughs> chocolate and coffee-infused milk stout from Firestone Walker Brewing Company. And um, I've had this one before. I actually get it as part of my D&D uh, games because I was recently it's a, a ritualistic wizard. beer. I see. Yeah, I was a wi- I was a wizard and a high elf wizard, if you will, who would and, naturally um, drink such a beverage. Yeah, the Mocha Merlin just seemed appropriate for me. That's kick ass, Hunter. This is the whiskey that I am drinking. It gotcha. is a Glen Morangi Scotch, and even episodes pretty recent, probably within the last two, I talked about how I thought the prime trait of a scotch was like peated smokiness mm-hmm. and i've in recently learned that that's just like not true that's just one style of scotch and all scotch is is whiskey that's made in scotland and i'm pretty sure it uses uh old american oak bourbon barrels and i think okay. age ages for like 10 years or something like that okay darren darren gave me an info dump and i appreciate your i appreciate your self-correction that's that's helpful it is um but that being said, this one spends like an extra two years in wine barrels, like this sweet grape wine barrels. Okay. The actual uh, scotch name is, shit, Bacalta or Bagalta. I can't tell what <laughs> letter that is because it's dark in here. I also can't read today. Yeah. I've also for, I can't do letters and words anymore. <laughs> it's left my body. Anyway, dude, I'm excited to try it. It's Honestly, pretty harsh already. Like, it's hard for me to get a good smooth sip so far, but I don't think that's going to be a problem as things go on. Haven't you had a Glen Morangi before on here? Yeah. I you have. have? And you liked it? It was the good stuff? Yep. It was the good stuff. That's for sure. It okay. was a Highland single malt scotch, which is like they only use 100% barley. And I think the Highlands uh, scotches are kind of known for being those sweeter, lighter types. And yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Nice. All right, Hunter, I have written out an outline for the show because I'm not as smooth and as cool as Max. This is known. but <laughs> It is I, known. <laughs> I've got some stuff I want to talk to you about, what I want to talk with like the audience about. First of all, Steven Hillenberg, the creator of SpongeBob, died in between the recording <laughs> of our last episode. And yeah, that sucks. That sucks. Apparently, he had MLS, um, which is just terrible, you know, and he is passed it, away. Is it MLS? I mean, that's, yeah, that's what I thought okay. it was. Okay. I thought it was uh, the only one I knew was ALS. Oh, well, I'm, <laughs> Am I, I read it. This up? <laughs> <laughs> I read MLS. They're very, what they're very okay, well. I'm sure that that's right. ALS. The yeah. only MLS I know is Major League Soccer. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steven Illenberg died at the age of 56 from Major League Soccer. From watching it a, soccer, it was awful. It was a terrifying accident. But no, that sucks, man. Yeah, that's that's a big fucking bummer. Um, I don't really know too much about the dude, but um, you kind of wonder how that impacts the the future of that show and um, you know of other like future projects that would be like it. So, um, it's also December, and that means it's almost a year from when we went to Japan. And how are you feeling about that, Hunter? Uh, 
what 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 do you mean how am i feeling i'm i'm loving that we went to japan i in fact the other day um as part of a ritual that you know on sundays mandy and i go to the grocery store we go to the heb if you will that is exciting and we get food to basically make a nice <laughs> we meal buy food from the grocery we store we buy the foods and um, we like to cook, you know, like a nice meal on Sunday nights and maybe meal prep. And then we usually don't really cook too much throughout the week after that. But um, as part of our sort of pregame for that, we also get <laughs> some good old high quality H-E-B sushi. And I got hey, some. H-E-B sushi is passable, dude. Like there's here's the deal. I bet people who are listening to this show who aren't from Texas have no idea what H-E-B is. And I'm telling you. It is the greatest food store of all time. You yeah. can literally go to one place and find everything you need with choices of great variety and substance. It's fantastic. It's, it's good prices. Yeah. Variety is just fucking on par. Everything's well organized. People working there are good to go. You know, I mean. They're good to go. Yeah. They're Pat them on the back and get them in go. there, you know. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I. You know, we were eating our sushi or whatever, and I looked in my drawer, and I saw the chopsticks that Mandy and I bought um, on New Year's Day. Yeah, and you're like, you and know how I want to christen these bad boys? With <laughs> <laughs> some H-E-B sushi, baby. <laughs> some H-E-B brown rice spicy tuna. Um, oh, but you got those from but Japan, I, right? But I, Yeah, I did. I bought them from Japan on New Year's Day uh, last year. Um, where did we get our fortunes again? Uh, Asuka was it? Asuka, yeah. And and we were like on those streets or whatever, and we bought these two chopsticks because hers her pair of chopsticks is for like her birth month and mine is for my birth month. And so yeah, I just like was like thinking about maybe using them, but then I've never had the guts to actually take them out and use them on actual sushi. And so now I'm just like I need to just buy a fucking I guess a chopstick stand. <laughs> <laughs> or something display them because it's like a decent like conversation piece right like we don't really have that many things that we can point to in our in our living area you've got was... degrees hanging behind you that's pretty big no no, no i'm talking about for japan for the purpose oh. of people coming in oh, and be sticking like, hey. up for your apartment day cool right there dude i came sliding in <laughs> well you gotta have the degrees bro I mean, yeah come on but yeah, no, I'm thinking that's probably going to be one of the main things that I like display as part of our um, <laughs> as part of our little trip. But uh, but yeah, how about you? How about you? I feel like this is man cave talk, and it's fantastic. Yeah, um, I'm good, dude. I so I haven't had a TV for a while, and that's changed how I've lived my life, Hunter. I'll tell you that much. It is really different. I'm, oh I yeah, that, I mean, mostly from the the video gaming aspect, I suppose, right? Not being able to play games and being able to like access YouTube and other video players on a bigger screen, right? Right. Okay. But I finished the history book that I was reading, uh, Hunter. I was texting you about how badass I thought Stephen F. Austin was, and then I also found out how badass Sam Houston was in his like tall ass stature. <laughs> His leopard vests and his fur hats and like brilliant military prowess and just dudes about it. Dude's crazy. Yeah, those guys are literally like fucking comic book heroes. It's awesome. And <laughs> that's so fucking true, dude. Um, and then I'm also about to begin the anime uh, Berserk. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. That is sick. And I, I actually saw something the other day about Evangelion being on Netflix 
or something. Evangelion? Evangelion, yeah. Somebody I think said, it is uh, coming to Netflix, dude. Yeah, nice. You should fucking watch that show. I can still feel the explosions reverberating in my chest from those <laughs> movies, dude. I think I will. I think I will have to just because it sounded like something that maybe if I gave it it's uh, some time, gave it some you know ability to sit on me, then I'll <laughs> enjoy Interesting it. Interesting choice, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I would. If it choked me a little bit to just make it better. <laughs> I would be if I was like that. rammed up against the wall a little bit and like yeah. kind of blacking out. Well, let's go ahead and roll our, roll our eyes to the back of our heads. This is witty banter. All right, Hunter. So, you know, when we go back to the original shell, as they call it in DBFC, the two characters that make up the foundation of right. the team. Uh-huh. This show was founded on news. We've recently like kind of moved away from doing news items. This is uh, going to be like news paired with conversation, I think, because I wanted okay. to talk to you about um, Roger Ver. Is that how it's pronounced, Hunter? Uh, either Ver or Ver. I mean, how does he I say it? I don't know. I don't really listen to him very much. <laughs> okay. I think I'll just go with Ver then. Uh, okay. I watched an interview with that guy, and it brought up all these conversations about cryptocurrency, and I thought, who better to ask than my friend Crypto Diesel? And I know that you have like a small bit of contemporary uh, information that we can also talk about. But yeah, I wanted to talk to you, Hunter, about that interview and how this guy comes off to me as like how his personality came off to me, because I know that you have opinions about him and his personality. Do you want to kind of quickly intro him? Yeah, so he was dubbed, I guess, as a in a meme like fashion as the Bitcoin Jesus and that's because that's because healing he the was, Bitcoin sick. He was very influential in the uh, crypto and Bitcoin community, um, all the way up until um, the hard fork that happened between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin. And he's just a, he's he's like a marketer. He's like a very smart dude. Um, he knows a lot about you know development develop or crypto development, and uh, he's basically a, a figurehead in the crypto world so he's definitely smart is there's no doubt about that i just think some of the way that he tries to go about um selling his viewpoints is a little i don't know it, it doesn't come across as incredibly like confident or um like not not uncivil but just kind of annoying and i think it can be a little bit um like flagrantly not a hundred percent truthful so <laughs> that's how i would put all it. right that was a nice little topping there um yeah. you mentioned a couple of things that i wanted to talk to you about um with this guy when okay. i listened to him being interviewed he very much talked about how he like grew up reading basically like economics philosophy right mm -hmm. and when you talk about being like influential to how cryptocurrency works or like kind of developing the technology i felt like he've kind of he kind of did it under sort of the uh, theoretical teachings of that kind of stuff. And in that way, like he came off to me as being like somewhat idealistic in the way that he talked about his approach and his background and his knowledge with this stuff. Yeah. Um, for the audience to know, like apparently he was federally convicted or he was convicted of like a federal crime and isn't a United States st citizen anymore. And he spent a lot, like a third of the interview talking about that whole entire process and scenario and like his, um, attitude where he's like, I don't want to come back. Like, I think, isn't he like 
a part of some scheme to own like a small piece of land as well and like I have no idea about <laughs> well we I should have no traded idea. notes beforehand <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't really know a whole lot about the guy's personal life I really just know about kind of what he's um what he's sort of put out uh on his really I I, I haven't I, to be completely honest like I haven't really listened to the guy a whole lot I've seen bits and what's snips the amount of, of time you would say like what have maybe, you seen from this guy? Maybe thirty to, minutes to an hour's worth. Of okay, because I've clips this, and, this interview this was only an hour, you know. So okay. I'd say gotcha. we're at about the same, but I watched like a single cut and not like clips of it, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, then, like, if you didn't, if you haven't really seen that side of his, uh, I guess, background, you did mention that he's more of like a marketer, and he very much is driving home like the concept of Bitcoin Cash being like lo low transaction fees and a faster like network. And that's when I also learned that as a fork of the original Bitcoin, which what is that called to differentiate it, Hunter? It's a new, uh, it's like a new historical chain, right? It's no, no, but I mean like a, what is the original Bitcoin? It's like got some three letter. BTC. Um, BTC. And yeah. how was that said like out loud in words and not just the letters? I, I just say Bitcoin, but I mean the, the, the new fork. Which is what Roger Ver, which is Bitcoin Cash, which is Bitcoin Cash, is BCH. Okay, um, but yeah, learning that with a fork, since the historical transaction is transferred over, you like automatically have coins on whatever the new fork is. If it came from like what you owned previously, did I say that correctly? Yeah, I would think about it like this: you have a history of transactions on a network. And then there's a new protocol that's basically going to change the game on how the network works. And it's going to create kind of a new historical set of information. Uh, It'll be like a turn in the record. That'll be obvious. Yeah, yeah. And so after the fork, right, after the protocol changes, it's fundamentally two different coins. So if before the fork you had something on the chain, right, if you had anything of value like a Bitcoin, Right then, the new fork would also have that Bitcoin on it because it's it's fundamentally on the same network. It's just a different protocol. And if that network becomes valuable for whatever reason, then you basically got like a free investment in it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's that's like getting free money, dude. And that right there, like, kind of blew my shit away. Like, that's pretty incredible about like being invested in in like proven kind of more. I mean, proven is probably not the right word, but that just Bitcoin in general, BTC, like to me, and we can talk about your next, uh, your news item next and about how like Bitcoin has gone, its value has gone down quite a bit. But if it just seems to me, if you invest and believe in Bitcoin, like you do Hunter, then once it picks up again and like forks come from it because it is so stable and, and it was like the invention of the technology, right. it's just mm -hmm. like, seems like a fantastic thing to, store some of your like your money in you know yeah and uh and and there's ways of you know using what you've put into it in order to get what would be as similar as possible to like dividends right which is kind of what you get off of mm. stocks that you own right there's um in order to secure the network right there's the huge mining pool of computers that are interacting with each other, flipping 
theoretical coins and trying to come up with, you know, the, the answer to a riddle that's going to solve the block. And whenever they solve that riddle, they get paid Bitcoin, right? And so the way that that's distributed, is kind of like everybody that's on the network that's helping solve or trying to solve this set of transactions gets paid part of the Bitcoin for a proportional amount of what they're contributing in computer power. And so you can actually contribute part of your computer power to the network and you can make a little bit of Bitcoin from that. Um, you can also, um, there are things that are what's being called proof of stake, which is instead of having computers solve problems uh, in order to be able to secure the network, you basically have for each block, people are putting up um, a certain amount of their own investment to say like, hey, I'm a good actor and I want to ensure the network by putting up my own money to show that like, I'm not going to fuck with the system, right? Because if I put in my own money on this, on this uh, block, then if, if, if I were a bad actor, then I would be negatively impacted by, you know, some sort of attack or something. And yeah. so there's that kind a of way ensures the trust. Yeah. And so and instead of having like an arbitrarily difficult math problem where you're spending so much fucking money trying to in, in electricity and, and shit, trying to solve this stupid problem, um, you basically have the problem is just normally difficult. It's not easy or it's super easy for any computer, but you have people that are quote unquote staking certain certain amounts of money saying like, hey, like I'm going I'm to good prove. For it. Yeah. You know, and so um, you kind of you kind of get a share of what you staked. Um, and so that's a different concept, but there are ways of putting your money into it, um, like investing and holding, right? That you can actually still kind of make what are considered returns um, by doing different uh, strategies, I guess. Right on. Well, did you want to talk about the market and kind of what's been going on these past several months, it seems? I mean, what, what's, what's, what's the deal with that, Hunter? Yeah, yeah. So basically, to, to, to go a little bit more on to Roger Ver is like, and th this is relevant for the conversation. Um, so he, I think the entire idea behind Bitcoin Cash, which was the hard fork from Bitcoin Core or Bitcoin BTC that happened last November, right? The entire idea was saying like, look, at some point, there's going to be a shit ton of people on the network. And the way that the, the way that it works right now is if it starts getting a lot of transactional volume, a lot of people wanting to, to you know, have transactions on the network, it's going to get clogged, right? We can only really process one megabyte's worth of, of transactions. And I think each transaction roughly equates to like, I don't know, some super small amount of kilobytes or something. But you have a cap on how much you can actually process. So there's two sorts of ways of thinking about how you can allow the network to keep growing in order to make more transactions feasible. This is so much information, dude. <laughs> One is you have a larger block, right? Instead of having a block that's like one megabyte's worth of transactions, you can have a block that's 32, 64, 128 megabytes of transaction. And that just right off the top allows you to just process a shit ton more transactions, right? And a lot cheaper. Um, the other way of doing it is kind of um, this other, I guess, idea, which is second layer solutions, where at the end of the day, what gets processed on the network is still the original 
one megabytes worth of transactions, but you have other sort of side things going on outside of the network that are sort of settling transactions on the side. It's all getting registered and kind of recorded and stuff. And then it all just gets kind of lumped into one ultimate transaction, right? And so that's a second layer solution. And that's where, that's why the fork, that's why the fork. <laughs> still going. This is incredible. That's why the fork started happening because you have literally philosophical uh, differences here. Yeah. And this is on, where this guy, like I'm telling you, he seemed to have this kind what I consider an ideological bent to him in the sense that he sees a theoretical framework as a working framework that like has economic soundness in its theory. And I feel as if in my own line of thinking and conceptualizing about the ideas behind the words pragmatist and idealist mm -hmm. is that an idealist basically goes with the system first and kind of pushes people into it saying that if we all act in the right way, this will go perfectly. But in right. reality, what may seem like perfect in theory because all the premises follow their conclusions, like does not work in reality with like actual people, you know? Right. But, um, that's, and, so that's, yeah, that's where my head went when I was listening to him. But I still think that I, I grew a tiny bit of sort of trust in Bitcoin cash and what the idea behind it was and everything after this interview. But I did think this guy was, just interesting. I did think he kind of had this weird martyr, like martyr complex to him, and in, in the fact that he was like, he's so anti, like American. You know, he's so happy to not be a citizen, and like you know, hmm. talks about that kind of stuff. So, yeah. interesting. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I, I had never heard or known that about him. Um, I, I didn't know anything about his his views on you know uh, politics or on national affairs or anything, but. Um, I think you're right to identify that for this guy in particular and others like him, there's another guy that's brought up in this new kind of thing called Craig Wright. He, this, mm -hmm. that, guy, that guy literally claims himself as Nato Satoshi Nakamoto. He claims that he's the one that created Bitcoin. He is but a false prophet. <laughs> he's literally an asshole. <laughs> he's actually a giant tampon. And he fucking, you know, he just doesn't act in any way that would actually, like, support the the idea that he is this, like, super cryptic, like, awesome, interesting dude that Satoshi Nakamoto's email trail, you know, kind of shows him to be. Right. But Well, can I can I hit you with this as well? Kind of as like a final closing on my Roger Ver thoughts. Sure. One yeah. thing that he did say towards the end of his interview that, like, really st stuck with me was he said, like, 200 years ago... If you uh, would suggest that there would be a separation of church and state, you could basically be, like be killed and burned as a heretic, you know? Yeah. And he's definitely speaking in ways that are like metaphorical that are meant to convey like feelings and like the qualitative sort of state of mind that those feelings bring uh, when he was saying this thing. So I, I think we should take the quote with a grain of salt in that way. But, he's you know, he said that like it would be kind of really hard to conceptualize the separation of church and state. And he said... Uh, cryptocurrency is a separation of state and currency. And I was like, wow, that is fucking compelling. Like, holy shit. I had never thought of it like that. And I wondered if you'd ever heard that stated in any of your research or if you just heard it now, like what you think about that concept. Yeah, the one thing that I think brought him into sort of famedom and that I totally think that he served his most valuable purpose in cryptocurrencies has been... He was burned in effigy after this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Burn! 
and the witch. Um, but yeah, so it, it's basically like he he understands the revolution, right? Like he understands what is making this a movement. He fully understands and is able to articulate why it's such a big deal. Now, how he thinks that the end state should be, right, might be different from anybody else. But his understanding of why the initial creation of it is so fucking huge and dynamic is spot on, right? Like, he gets it. He, and he's like a big reason why Bitcoin is as big as it is or why cryptocurrency and in, in, in the entirety of the entire market. I mean, he's a huge reason why it's so popular and so well known. So I definitely can't fault him for his understandings of the revolution. Yeah. Well, dude, that is a pretty meaty first half. I think I, I'm thinking I feel, feel a break. How do you feel? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. We'll be right back, guys. Bit a bit if you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. What is up, Witty Banter listeners? We're back after that um, long Disaster. break. Yeah, <laughs> to that long break. Um, and we are still drinking our alcoholic beverages. I'm through two of my four sips worth of delirium. And let me tell you something. I thought you were going to say four beers. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, you've been slamming them. I've been chug-a-lugging. And uh, the delirium is very good. I, I really wish I had a full beer's worth, so I'm almost like hesitant to give it an actual review. Um, it's very good. It's a Belgium, right? And it's uh, it's nice and sweet and kind of. Uh, it's it was got pretty that, dark, dude. Yeah, it is. It's a. Uh, it's kind of like. It's like a dunkel. Yeah, it's kind of like a dunkel, but it's a little um, hazier. Looks, yeah, I was so I say, can't. It looks cloudy. I can't see through it. Um, it had like a huge head when I poured it up. Um, not because I spilled it over the floor. Um, <laughs> that definitely wasn't the reason. Yeah, that wasn't at all the reason. But um, but it's very good, and I think it carries its eight point five percent very well, which I think means that it's probably a very well made beer. Um, yeah. So. And then what this, about your Glen Morangi? This Bacalta, as I can see the the letters now, is so harsh. I like cannot get a good sip on this thing, dude. Um, but even though the sips have been like not smooth and kind of burn my nose or whatever. I can tell the flavors there. Like I can tell this thing is a big daddy with like a lot of, <laughs> a lot of notes and undulation in there, you know? Okay. A little bit of nuance. I'm it's a, kind of, if I do say so myself, it's kind of funky. If I do so say, uh, yeah. So I'm hoping that I, I still have a, a, a fair bit to finish before the episode uh, is out. So I hope to have more to say about it, but cool. Yeah, that's kind of it. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll just go ahead and lead us on up into our next segment. Walk us through, dude. I was I was leaving a uh, a get together with Mandy the other day, and I said I started talking about AOL Instant Messenger, and I talked about how nostalgic and fucking 
awesome it was whenever whenever somebody would get online yeah and the door would open Uh and you'd see and you'd see their freaking screen name light up and this was just like a completely new world that no one had ever been a part of right yeah and then we started talking about social media and stuff and i i just wanted to get your take i think we're clearly going to be skewed right but well, to we, describe our we, skew, you know, uh, we're going to be skewed, but I, I want to understand this is a conversation peach. Oh, check it out. There's a conversation peach that I'm laying out for today. I want to understand your views because I think that we've basically been around for all of social media as it's known today. Yeah, we what might have your... missed the tendrils, but I would <laughs> definitely still agree with that 100%. I want to know what your, if it's nostalgia driven, that's fine. But I want to know what you think the best social media has ever been uh, to date. What is the best platform we've ever gotten to experience? Yeah. I mean, my mind went to an answer when you first texted me this idea and the fact that you mentioned AOL um, in the same sentence got me thinking about it. uh, That's thinking about that platform as well. And then you talking about it now, like just the sounds of that like piece of software and like the, the imminent meaning of what those sounds meant of like, Someone might, someone I might want to talk, like talk to is online. Yeah, like, like my usually, friends are here. Yeah, yeah I and get like to your hang network out. was very, was very small, and it was exciting. And I was thinking about how we were pretty young when it was, uh, when we were using it. It was already out, I think, probably by the time we were born, because it was very early um, messenger right, right. Uh, software. And like picking a screen name was like giving ourselves a name. Right yeah, we were, yeah, it was choosing your fucking birthright at that point. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was it was sealing into the stones of time. Yeah, your fucking personality. Yeah, it's like something that you look back on. It, it, it's like when your parents look back at their yearbook and they see the goofy haircut that they had, and you're like, ah, ha, 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 look how goofy I was. We get to look back at our screen names from when we were in fourth grade and see what we thought was cool back then, what we thought would be funny or whatever. What was going on in our little brains? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the babies, they're a big part of this audience. Yeah. I don't want to leave them out and let them know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, my mind instantly went to MySpace as the best one. And talking about uh, the sounds of AOL and just the meanings they had and like where our minds sort of instantly go when you would see basically a screen name pop up with that door sound or when the door closed or if they were away or whatever it was, like those were all sensational feelings at one point, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And with MySpace, I felt like that was where I really um, was exposed to like how notifications work. And mm-hmm. it kind of seared into me at a very young age. I think like made just very strong sort of like neural pathways in my mind. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is like I see it affecting literally everyone who comes in contact with it in the same way. So at this point, I just think it's like the function of how it all works. Mm-hmm. I guess that's sort of my take on social media is all together right now and just like a, a bride version. But the things I did like about MySpace was it came along at a pretty sweet time in my life. Eighth grade. Halo. You, Halo. you got it in eighth grade. Well, like when it reached its apex of like being able to customize your page to like such specific degrees 
Um, yeah. Ordering your 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 favorite group of friends up at the top, picking a fucking song, dude. Yes. Or a we or a playlist. We all know that that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what do you think about that pick? That's that's definitely my number one pick. So, yeah. I never did. And that's Zang- our skew. I never did Zanga. And right? those are the tendrils, right? And I think Zanga was like the not as popular precursor to MySpace. And it was more of a blog. Yeah. And, and I feel like Facebook was the more popular, but freaking fizzled down version of MySpace. I feel like Facebook is when you could really like make this timeline of posts. Yes. And you wrote on your wall. And that was kind of how the homepage was. Because when it wasn't like that, your MySpace page was basically like your fucking room. You know, it was like this virtual basement that you could always go into where it was like this teenage home and your yeah. friends hung out there. But then it went from like, then it went to like blue and white and posts and it was just what people were saying. And now like, what do you think about it now, man? Well, I think it's just interesting because, you know, I think my page is deleted now. I don't, I don't think I can access it anymore, but it was, I think it was like the first time and it was kind of a short window because I don't think Facebook is really used in this way as much. I'm sure it still is, but I feel like it was this time where teenagers and young kids and whoever was on it could kind of actually relay how they felt about each other in a way that was like harder to when you're in in person. Like I would I would talk to way more girls on MySpace than I ever did in person. And I think it was just because it's harder to talk when you're in fifth grade and sixth grade to girls in person and stuff. And so like, I, I was just like, yeah, this is so cool. Cause like, I, I don't have to like worry, I guess as much about the, the social repercussions because there's like this degree of separation. And then the fact that I like lose so much communication with that. Oh, you totally do. Absolutely. But I think that there's something, there's some things that are sort of just like, primitive like the fact like like making your top friends list like the hierarchy that you're building when you're making like hierarchies are built into our fucking dna you know why is that i just feel like like there's sorry i was just seeing if you would could go up on that there's economic hierarchies there's social hierarchies there's fucking food hierarchies like dominance hierarchies i feel like just the way that people sort of go up and down in success or failure and all sorts of facets of their life is usually built off of, off of some sort of hierarchical nature. And I felt like with, um, with Facebook or with MySpace in particular, you could kind of say like, yo, like right now I care about these people the most or like these buds of mine are like the most sort of valuable assets in my friends group. And dude, and, I heard about dramatic stories that were on the same scale of a song of ice and fire with some groups of people with that <laughs> shit. You what know? do you mean? Just like the betrayal people felt when they moved it to <laughs> top six and you got cut, dude. You were on top eight. You had a glistening post on this person's page and now you were gone. You know. But again, like it it restructures the social context in a way that you can think about it, you get more information out of it, right? Because if you thought that you were a certain level of coolness and comfort with a relationship you had with somebody, and then you realize, I'm not on their top six. Yeah, that kind of hurts. That kind of sucks. 
But then that just makes you want to hang out with that person more. Or maybe it just means you have to restructure how you think about that person or whatever. Maybe it gives you more information because there's no other situation where you're going to make that person make that decision. Right? So it just gives you a little bit more of force. like a, a surrounding. Yeah. So I, and plus, like the other thing about MySpace is, yeah, just the fact that you can customize it. Like, dude, see, yeah, that's what we should be talking about literally for 30 minutes was like the degree of customization that you could do on MySpace. It's crazy. And, like, the thickness of the borders, the the type of the border, the colors that you use, if you had like a background image, how that background image was displayed throughout the entire web page, what the font was, what the size was, what, you know, all that. Like you got to go to that one website, which was basically just building HTML code for you. And it became pretty easy to understand and fun to like have a extreme degree of control on how your page looked. And I would honestly love to see that kind of customization come back to social profiles and stuff I, like that. I don't understand why we don't have that. It, it's so weird that we can customize, like there's always going to be a market for customization of any product or any service. So why are we kind of bogged down into, you know, current, very uh, accessible mainstream versions of social media that are completely not customizable at all? I mean, I think about it. I don't know if this applies to social medias because they are of such like mythical proportions in our present day right now. Yeah. But, um, fuck, dude, I totally just lost my train of thought. Hunter, <laughs> I, this is like, this is a train that has been off the rails for <laughs> three hours. It seems. <laughs> what were we talking about? Like, what just happened? I just we saw talking, ghost. We were talking about customization. And the okay. ability to be able to customize our own our own web spaces. Sure. So I, I just got talking about customization in general, like with Nintendo and uh, Xbox and Sony, basically the way that your box can look is very limited. You yeah. know, they all, you can only buy the boxes that they manufacture. And that's because manufacturing them takes a lot of organization and money and effort. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are people who are working with like their hands on like very small batch orders and making like modded Game Boys and stuff like the one I just bought. And like with the biggest draw of that is custom customizing it. And I'm finding that there's like such a small, but what seems like a very lucrative market of like customizing people's joy cons. And that just means that Nintendo isn't making that money. And I don't understand why more stuff isn't customizable because like you can customize your Xbox. uh, You can crush like you can make your own Xbox one controller. And Mm -hmm. I did that and I fucking love my controller. You know, and so I understand why hardware is not as customizable because just by manufacturing limitations, right? And I think that that's something that'll change with dude, 3D, you could with 3D printing and shit. Exactly, and you can democratize that stuff right now, and they're going to be predisposed to not doing that. Yeah. They're not going to say, like, here's how you make Game Boy Advances, even though like people know how to do it now because they have 3D scans, all that stuff. They can make their own. And instead of just like building a wall between that and trying to constantly stay on top of it through legal action, if you made a way to like get an official Nintendo license to make this hardware and keep these games alive and being remade and reprinted and stuff, I don't know. It just seems like money to me. Yeah. Why I wouldn't, I don't know yeah, anything well, about business though. So. Yeah. Why wouldn't Nintendo just, you know, put a little bit of an investment into making its own mod division, <laughs> just make, a court like a, a complex or some sort of entity that allows for people to uh, officially access modded Nintendo to whatever specifications they want 
through the Nintendo pipeline. I mean, that would be through fucking the dope. Nintendo pipeline. That would be sick. But no, yeah. I mean, like, but going back to the whole like the initial premise, yeah, like, I think there's something that to be said about how MySpace was more about all those things about customization, using the font you want, putting a background picture that you want, um, having your wall, um, and then putting the music on there. And I think the music is the biggest thing to note, mostly because we don't have anything like that anymore. And now Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat are all about photos and videos. And mm-hmm. that that is co- sort of the social cash, right, that we're trading in. And before, like, you had a profile picture and maybe people would scroll through whatever other pictures you had with low resolution. <laughs> but um, what your playlist was, was a huge part of how you were perceived. You know, if you put on a taking back Sunday song, you're or how immediately you perceive thought, yourself as well. You're a hundred percent put into a certain, yeah. And how you perceive yourself. That's exactly a, a very poignant, you know, part of the, the point, which is that you get to construct this thing in a, in a way that, yeah, like no one comes up and asks me about my favorite, you know, what my playlist would be if you're going to put, you know, four songs on a thing. So I just. Do you I, think there's also an effect going on where since you can, you're, since people are kind of continuously updating their feeds with like a mild version of what they've been up to, there feels like there's not a need to ask them sort of what they've been up to because you always already know that, you know? I do, um, and I think that's what's going to make our generation. You know, we were talking the the other day about like having a ten year reunion, and it's going to make ten year reunions and stuff like that. I don't think they'll ever be irrelevant because at the end of the day, we're still not hanging out with those people, and we're not having like like legitimate communications with the majority of the people that we went to high school and college with. So reunions will still be necessary, but it'll make it a little like it'll change the conversation and the mode of how we approach people because you're constantly getting this influx of what they've been doing and who they are and how they perceive themselves ever since high school. Whereas before you just see the change, right? And then you let them frame how, how they've changed. And now you already come to the table with the preconceived notion of how they changed. And so, yeah. So I have a, I have one, I have one final question for you, Hunter. Earlier, you mentioned how you found it like easier to approach people through the like text messaging um, clients inside of these websites and kind of sending text back and forth. And I remember you also really enjoying like text messages as well when you were in high school. Mm. Do you still like? And and then I think you 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 have told me that you don't text as much anymore. Do you feel like that draw and that ease of, um, I guess, reaching out or being you know being in contact with people has sort of fell away for you well i think over time the experiences of lost translation from digital communication mm-hmm. has definitely weighed heavy right i mean it, it 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 has sort of been a deterrent or a disincentive from really trying to open the floodgates in a digital manner um, I also think that the novelty of it's gone. I mean, it was just, it was so fucking novel whenever we first started doing it. Um, and naturally, as you get older, I mean, I think you just, you kind of focus more on the people that you care about, right? And you keep up with them, however it is, whether it's text, whether it's whatever. And so 
and and plus dude i it's actually i think of a, a backwards <laughs> it's a backwards result of what i think facebook wanted which facebook has a very prominent feature in their protocol or whatever which is to show you your past posts oh, and yeah. say three years ago today you posted this right and it's supposed to be i guess like a thing of nostalgia or maybe like you know, you look back on it like, oh, I totally forgot about it. That was awesome. And like, and what that, that happens. Like but at the end of the day, a lot of times I look back on my digital voice, quote unquote, from four mm -hmm. years ago, from six years ago, from seven years ago. And I'm like, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? You know, <laughs> like, what? Uh, well, it's more so it's not that I'm trying to invalidate what I was saying, but it's more like, like yourself what, or what Facebook's trying to do. It, it, it's more just me being like, what were you trying? What were you ultimately thinking was going to be the outcome of what you were saying? You know, like, let's like, let's look at the output and then trace back to what you wanted the desired, you know, effect to be. Yeah, and dude. Uh, that's what paralyzes me from using a lot of these things is like the fact that intent doesn't matter. Like there's no private sort of, Whatever you say, even when you're formulating it in your head, you're thinking of like who's going to receive it. And yeah. I get stuck there a lot. I'm just like, well, <laughs> I guess I'm not talking then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's crazy. We've already talked about on the show probably a few like, you know, 10 or 20 episodes ago about how whatever you end up posting is going to be the filtered down, watered down, whatever bullshit filtered down version of what you actually wanted to say. Well, we're like fiery rambling first draft, massive paragraph posts, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's just, and there's like 15 pages of comments below and you're like, what is this? Like yeah. what happened here? Dude? I mean, it's so ridiculous. Like I just, I kind of want to delete my profile just so that, all of the stupid nonsensical arguments that I've gotten in over the years just on that platform, hopefully, hopefully are erased from time. Cause like, dude, I've literally gotten arguments on a ballet video about this chick's <laughs> form. And I don't know oh, shit about God, ballet. Are you serious? I'm like defending this chick, you know, about, cause everyone's <laughs> just so railing on her for having horrible form and how she's so famous or whatever. And I'm like, she's, you know, <laughs> How Step do you get it up drawn into that shit? You know? Yeah, I'm trying to defend people, but I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I just think it's it's just funny that you get you you look back on stuff and you're like, why did I do that? Same way with like when you when you're on YouTube and you just get drawn into a into a related video fucking uh, rabbit hole for four hours. And you're like, how did I end up here? Right? Like, it's just funny yeah. how we have that that impulse now. I don't know if we've ever had that as a species right to just get sucked into something no dude we haven't because the freaking piece of actual material that we're holding that's like changing our brains is real and in front of us and it's never it's never been you know there's never been an artifact like that before that could just it's it is radical how much it has changed human behavior and like i'm almost getting to the point where i wish these things didn't have to be held in a hand just so people could have what they wanted and just, but look up and like, look at the people they're talking to, you know, like, yeah, it's almost, it, it's, it's pretty wild that there is like a good portion of ourselves that are just attached to this glass screen, you know? Yeah. Elon Musk says it, man. We're already cyborgs. 
We've already dude. We got into a, a Tesla at an I don't know on an Uber drive, and it this guy was cool as shit. We got in like a really cool conversation with him. He was driving us around pretty fast. Those cars are so fun. They rule, dude. Yeah, I'm. It was Darian's first time in one, and like she totally felt how smooth they were, and like he and how fast they fucking accelerate. It was dope, dude. That's awesome. I, I actually had a Tesla kind of jut in front of me while I was on my way to work this morning. You're like, you do go right ahead. You I really off, was man. like, like high I, fives. I don't. So I actually respect people who are more aggressive as a, as opposed to less aggressive on the road. Me too, dude. Not people who fucking cut people off and are dickheads, but people who sure. are decisive, right? People who are like, right. I need to get over here. I'm going to get over here. Right. Exactly. And, um, and this guy totally just pulled that move on me with his, um, with his Tesla. And I was like, well done. Dude, <laughs> that reminds me of a time where I was on like a residential road and there was, uh, I was going straight and there was a crossroad that was dead ending on the road that I was on mm-hmm. and this BMW, very nice BMW just like basically pulls out in front of me and whips this U-turn that was just inches away from both the curves, but he made it. And like, it was such an asshole thing to do but i was with friends in the car and i was just like you know what he earned that one like he just <laughs> fucking did that you know like holy shit I'm he passes mad. in my books i'm mad but i'm like wow you just got me dude <laughs> but yeah that was all i was i was just kind of willing to rehash on you know some of the more nostalgic stuff on social media and stuff i thought you know, thinking back on AIM, because you could you could personalize your AIM little about me section as well and your away message and all yeah. this other stuff. And that so that was all part of the ephemera that was building your digital identity. We used to fuck around and like say matrix quotes to people in like sixth grade about <laughs> social media. And they were like kind of the part of the movie that made sense for that shit, you know? We like, yeah. <laughs> we were into weird stuff, dude. All right, you wanna listen to uh or you wanna read email? Yeah, yeah. Do we have an email? Did, did our call to arms Dude, have any effect? Of course it did. And it's none other than Dunter Horsett coming in, hearing the like ram's horn bugle call <laughs> for email and just slam dunking a few our way, man. Okay, let's bring it on. The first one, uh, and uh, this is a good question, and I'm sorry that I'm, I'm like just tired and exhausted from thinking. But what are your top three favorite stores to shop from? Because there's mm. definitely stores where I would just enjoy being in there and the whole act of purchasing is like a treat, you know? Yeah. I'm actually more interested to hear your opinion on this because I feel like you've got a little bit of style, Chase. And so you want to uh, go with clothing with this? Because I love record stores too. So I think you can you can make it whatever you want. But when I think shopping, I think clothes. You know? I mean, like... Do you have a favorite clothing store, then? I have a good time going to Guitar Center, but I don't consider that, like, shopping. Right? I don't. I very rarely have a good time going to Guitar Center. It's well, almost like never worth around the since. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, you can play instruments, Hunter. <laughs> I can play some doodles, and then they're gone. And then I just appreciate the instruments around me that I can't make do pretty things. <laughs> Well, I mean, what comes to mind when you hear the question? Um, so record stores is the first one that comes up. Clothes shopping definitely comes up as well, but I feel weird talking about it because I don't know, because that's kind of changing all the time. Like, I'll tell you this much, like the center of Hamburg was one of the most just saturated points of very high 
um, I would guess high class shopping. But the thing is, is like the clothes that were being displayed didn't look like dramatic for the sake of being a brand. Like all of them looked like they were worth what was on the window. Really? But the window were like some pretty preposterous, um, like uh, sales totals, you know? Hmm. Dang. And that was some wild shit. Yeah. And then it's kind of thing where like, I wish I could go in there, but I just would not feel comfortable. You know, like I don't, I can't even walk through this door just by virtue of like everything that's going around me right now. You know, it's weird. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine you to think that. I mean, you're not just going to walk into a place that's selling like 4,000 Euro jackets and be like, I'm just looking around. You know, I'm like, <laughs> like it's just, a chew. sorry, it's not going to happen. But what comes to your mind, dude? Um, I mean, I like, I, I've shopped from J crew recently as far as clothing goes feel like uh, it's young, professional, but not too self-righteous kind of clothing. Self-righteous. Um, basically, I mean... We all the, know what that looks like. The main focus is just I, I try to go as brandless as possible, at least from an appearance standpoint. Dude, yes. That's the way to go. Right? Just anything with like an interesting, just flat color or maybe some stripes or something, but just... Nothing too There's crazy. Some stripes in there sometimes. I'm not. I'm not rocking any fucking hinder angel wings on the back. Um, uh, so because you don't believe, man. <laughs> Look at this photograph. What are your other stores? Okay, we've got two. Then we at least got to combine ours for the top three. You got one more that like comes to mind? Um, if I think of something like outside of just clothes, <laughs> fuck, man. I don't know. I mean. I, use, I like, probably like go to Target more than anything. I mean, I, you know, it's just. I'll give you another kind of like everything. fantasy looking through the glass kind of one, like really nice travel bag stores where it's like, look at this backpack and all the possibilities of you being out in the world and such a nomad and, all, and it's made out of canvas. You know, you're like, yeah, I want to put all my little <laughs> knickknacks and cameras and bullshits in this thing and just have my little pack, you know? Yeah. Do, do, is there a particular one of those like a like a travel bag place that you would I actually travel bag place is my favorite one that's a that's a place <laughs> oh yeah man that's the number one spot <laughs> never heard of it oh but, man but yeah man i don't have too <laughs> many i don't have too many of them i let go and i shop at fucking macy's and dillard's for work stuff and j crew for normal stuff so that's kind of all right well we've got to. what on we've got one more from dunter i'd be i would be i would feel bad for not reading two because dunter aided the charge man yeah fuck yeah what is your go-to food when you eat at a Tex-Mex restaurant, Dunter 9 Horset? And Dunter's asking because she knows that I am a Tex-Mex purist when it comes to Mexican food. And I've had people rebuff me even recently who are from San Diego who lived in Texas who are like, you can't be serious. And I'm like, of course I'm serious. Tex-Mex is better than what we've got here in California. Is it, called, is it called um, like Cali-Mex in California? I've seen that on some signs. Yeah. But I don't think it's like really used. It's nowhere near as codified as, as Tex-Mex Tex is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's weird because I used to only order fajitas, right? I was the fajita man. I went. To you had a long, uh, kind of troublesome relationship with Mexican food, Hunter. You Dude, were I, a I hater. Really, I really have for quite a while. I wasn't a hater. I just it was, hurt us loving Tex-Mex loving people's feelings. It was so intense. It was just like so fucking just dogmatic that everywhere, <laughs> like every day, every every 
opportunity to eat. Everyone's <laughs> just talking about Tex-Mex and going. Because we were having, we were feeling the revelation, man. I think, and like my taste buds didn't probably fully get to the the fullest adulthood of maturation. Top until, of the mountain there. Yeah, until later on, maybe when I was in college, and I had to, I had to kind of eat some uh, a wider array, array of food with less money, um, and so. I think that, yeah, at first I was not a huge fan of Mexican food. And now, um, so so I would always just go with fajitas, right? It's like, it's just steak and cheese and a tortilla. And I was like, I can do that, right? It's a little more than that, but you know, well, they're I still mean, delicious. Those were, the, those were the ingredients I would use, right? And, um, and, and that traveled, that kept me going for a long time. It's because the fajita is a deep food stuff. And it's like really hard to fuck up too. Like it's it's just really uh, easy. But it's but it's really hard. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard, really hard to, to make do it. Well, dude. It's it's hard to make it like fucking top of the mountain fajitas. Yeah, it's really easy to make like mid midway up. You know, just yeah. decent passing just fajitas. Throw, just fucking marinate something for once in your life, and throw a bunch of spices in there, and cook at a high temperature, and you're good, dude. Yeah. If I'm if I'm if I'm at a place where I'm not really sure if I'm gonna like this, I'll probably just go fajitas. Because you can just put some sour cream, you just put some salsa and some cheese and some whatever the fuck else, onions on it, and uh, it's probably going to be good. But recently, I have taken much more of a liking towards enchiladas because um, I don't know why. Similar ingredients, right? They're so good. Um, but I just feel like a very well-made enchilada, and, and not only that, if I can get a Mexican restaurant that has a combination of enchiladas... Preferably, yeah, yeah, <laughs> los tres, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even gonna say it. Um, <laughs> the three amigos is get get a combination enchilada platter, and if I can get a beef, a chicken, favorably uh, a, 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 like a green uh, verde chicken, and then a cheese enchilada, and I can just so, try Wait, each of those. Verde what? Like salsa, like a verde oh. salsa verde. What was yeah. Salsa verde, okay. Yeah, uh. green, green sauce. Salsa. Oh, you doubled up there, didn't you? Yeah, you muddied the waters. Um, <laughs> you're, are you trying to catch me right now? On this I'm trying show? to get you there, dude. Yeah, that shit is actually salsa verde, Chase. Okay, it's not yeah. green sauce. Um, oh my god! <laughs> Does anybody else know the magnitude of that statement? But me right now? <laughs> uh, probably not. Listen, what about you're talking about combination plates and having like a little repertoire of deliciousness that is, you know, also accompanied by the finishing with the sauce. What about tacos? Because like street tacos are amazing here in California and there's really good street tacos in Texas, too. But there's also kind of a Tex-Mexy version of tacos that can get a little more, I think, gimmicky and flamboyant on like the torchy side. But um, really good, but just Tex-Mexed up in this uh, form of the place that was near your um one of your first houses, Hunter. What was that place called? Uh, the place that was near that one was of my right first next to your, your oh, taco joint. The taco joint, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I, I I don't know. I I don't really think of tacos as much as Tex or like as a Tex Mex dish. Like, but when you think of taco joint tacos, like, would you consider that kind of like the Tex Mex version not of a taco? Really. I think of it just as bro food, really. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, there's a distinction to be made. Just like a hey man, are you hungry? Yeah, let's just go <laughs> let's to taco get some joint. bro food. Yeah, let's go to taco joint, right? Um, I I guess 
since tacos can come and have come in a fucking variety of styles and flavor and really just completely deconstructing what a taco really is. Deconstructing what a taco really is. The Tsukemen of tacos. Um, I don't know. I guess I just, I really, when I think of tacos, I think of it as its own category and I don't lump it in. I think you can get tacos at Tex-Mex, but it's not the first thing that comes I would, to mind. Do you consider, um, uh, shit, dude. <laughs> quesadillas, flautas, tamales. Dude, no, quesadillas are fantastic. That's definitely one of my favorite Tex-Mex foods. But um, the place that we would go before we record at our, our house. Fucking Tyson's? Tyson's. Thank you. Uh, that's 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 how low on the barrel we are right now with my ability to think right now, Hunter. I would consider Tyson's in the house of Tex-Mex slightly as well because I think it had this um, street taco portion and sort of execution, but like variety of just experimentation, you know, that I kind of attribute to being the chefs who are in the area in Texas, you know? I guess, but I don't... I, I feel like the experimentation is what makes me not think of that as Tex-Mex. Like, I feel like Tex-Mex, while it is not traditional Mexican, yeah. there is some sort of structural element to Tex-Mex that I like to kind of... You know, it's like... Okay, it's, okay it's well, like, what is that? It's like, I go to a place, I automatically get... Chips and salsa for Chips free. Chips and salsa. Queso is like a monumental Tex-Mex staple. And that's another shout out I want to give. Like, yeah, there's only basically one place that kind of does queso nearby our, our house. And like, I feel the drought and headed to Europe. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm moving so far away from the well, you know? <laughs> and so that's like the first thing you get, right? And that's like aiding in your decision of what you're going to order, you know? And so you get that. And you get margaritas, and then you get whatever whatever your plate's going to be. Usually has probably some rice and beans on it, and then some sort of tortilla-laden, cheese-filled meat variety plate. Whoa! And um, I just feel like with tacos, it's just it's just tacos. Like you go and you order, you know, two or three, maybe the same, maybe different tacos, and. I think maybe there is an origin point that ha- that was rooted in in Mexican, but I just don't think of it really as a Tex-Mex item anymore. I'm not saying the taco itself, and I'm not going to belabor the point anymore. I'm talking about the <laughs> execution of the taco. It's that's what I'm saying. But no, dude, that was a very deep and extensive conversation about the differences between Mexican food and Texas and California. And I honestly feel like if the audience is still here listening. They actually have a pretty good foundation of what that debate is for us, you know. Yeah, I mean, what was your what was your answer? I mean, is your fajitas, answer, man? It's one hundred percent, and like the ultimate fajitas to me are Lupe's because Lupe's the yeah, because the tortillas is so good, and the execution of the beef or chicken or shrimp or whatever you get is so spot on. The marinade that they use is like got its own. You can tell, despite everyone and their mother can make and marinade. This one's got its own, you know. Yeah, there. Chips it, are great. You mentioned the the chips getting chips first. Their chips are fantastic. They're, oh yeah, their sauces are great. Yeah, it, for me, for them, it really is just the simple mechanics of incredible beef, incredible tortillas. Yeah, like huge, <laughs> huge flour tortillas that allow me to double and triple roll my fajitas. So there's not going to be spillage, you know. Mm-mm. It's very, a, yeah, it's a, it's very a firm unit. Important. 
I, uh, I I basically only eat corn tortillas now as far as tacos and other dishes go, but if I'm going to have fajitas, I'm going flour, and Lupe's yeah. got the best flour tortillas in the business. Damn, man. that's I'm glad you feel the same because that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, look, dude, thank you for the questions, Dunter. We really appreciate that. We you really can add to our bucket of letters that's sitting on the floor by going to wittybantershow at gmail.com. Uh, you can also tweet at us. We are at Witty Banter Show. Uh, you can send a question. It'll get read, I promise. Hunter, uh, what, are you, what are your final thoughts on the beer, dude? Are you going to review both of them? Like, what's going on here? I I just feel bad about the delirium. I don't think I can give it a full-on review the way I want to. Um, I feel like even probably just the impact of it fucking falling all over the floor probably changed how, how it drinks a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was good. I enjoyed it. You know, 8.5% alcohol by volume and it drank pretty freaking easily. It was nice and like sweet, but not alcohol sweet. It was just well-made, nice Belgian sweet. Um, the Mocha Merlin is very coffee laden and, uh, it's thick and it's smooth. It's the exact kind of chocolate and coffee infused milk stout that I want to, that I want to purchase again. So, uh, that one's actually only 5.5% alcohol by volume, um, which again, balanced is refreshing given that everyone and their mom is putting out a 13% stout these days. So hey man, if you want a dry light stout, Guinness is your go. <laughs> you got to do man. Have you turned into a full salesman now? It's delicious beer and it just blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so yes it blows my mind how much of it they truly sell and realizing that like no matter what airport i was in in my trek overseas or like how often it shows up in bars i'm like how do they make enough of this <laughs> to give it to all of these people all of the time it's like, like there must be is, no water left in ireland just pulling it out of the ocean okay look um this bacalta I feel like I don't have it poured correctly. Like I can't enjoy it the way that it's meant to be just in the glass that I have. And with, as you know, just the way that I was able to approach it because it has been so hard for me to get an actual read on this thing because it is like so harsh and like fiery. And I was not expecting that at all. And I don't know <laughs> where the line is on like me just not drinking it well or well suited to what would make it taste better. Or if it's the fact that it is just this intense or whatever it is, but I'm going to come back to it because I know what goes into making it or like I've been told what that is and I can get a refresher <laughs> on it. <laughs> so I want to come back to it. There's you know? a process and it's there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I don't know it, but uh, I respect it. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to come back to this area of the game later. Okay, cool. That uh, good, man. Hunter, this is the end of the show. Audience member, this is the end of the show. Which means we got to tell you about all the information about where you can find this podcast. I mentioned earlier that we're on Twitter, at Witty Banter Show. Go there to uh, send us questions, mostly, and retweet our episodes if you like the content that we make. We're on Spotify. If you could follow us there, I think that's going to start dragging us up in the algorithms. And that would be really fantastic because it's just another channel for people to find us. We're also on Stitcher, and I think we're on Google Play, like basically anywhere you want to find your podcast. We also have a website if you want to listen from your browser. That's wittybantershow.com. And you can also send us an email uh, from that portal as well, which will make it into our mailbox and we'll read it and you'll be a part of the show. 
next week we'll probably have Max back. I'll probably have not just run myself through like a mental race obstacle course, and hey, uh, I will be sleep. balanced and right in the world. <laughs> yeah. Stop! Stop reading about all them damn mirror neurons. <laughs> I can't. I just can't. Hunter, thanks for uh, thanks for pounding around with me, man. We'll see you next time. Absolutely, glad to do it. Beep, 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 beep.